us learn. So we have a double parsha again uh, this coming Shabbos. So I want to focus on the second of our two parshas, Parshas Kedoshim. You can find it on page 656. If anybody's still, there's more Chumashim in the front if anybody would like. Um, there's a lot to do. Let's do a lot of things. So what I want to do is I want to cover the really, uh, the first Pasuk and the uh, first two Pasuk in, in depth a little bit. Um, but we're going to do a perusal of uh, a good chunk of the parsha as we... Uh, as we address it. Let's start, and then we'll, uh, we'll, we'll there's what, what to talk about. We're going to talk about a famous machlokas between Rashi and the Ramban, and uh, a, a beautiful, beautiful comment from the Maharal. Here we go. Beginning of Parshish Kedosh, Vayidaber Hashem el Moshe Leimor. Hashem says to Moshe, saying, Daber el kol adas b'nei Yisrael, v'omarta alehem. So speak to the entirety of the assembly of the children of Israel, kol adas b'nei Yisrael, and you shall say to them, Kedoshim tihiyu. Because I am, I am holy. Okay, beautiful Pasuk. Speak to Kol Adas B'nai Yisrael, speak to everybody, and tell them to be holy because I am holy. There are two major problems with this Pasuk that we need to address. Any guesses? Just simply reading this Pasuk, there are two issues, two questions that we would have to ask on such a Pasuk. Anyone want to take a stab at it? Okay, when the Torah says, don't wear uh, shotness, for example. So, I mean, okay, what is it that I'm not allowed to do? I can't mix uh, oil and linen. Tell her. Tell, Torah tells me to uh, put on sitzis or put on tefillin. Okay, so this, this is what I'm supposed to do. It tells me what it is that I'm supposed to do. Okay, we have here what sounds like a mitzvah or a command of some level in this Pasuk. What's the command in this Pasuk? Okay, would anybody like to suggest to me what I should do to fulfill this particular command. What does it look like for me to be holy? Follow all of God's commandments. Okay, so then it was, so it's not really a commandment to be holy, it's a commandment of do everything. Okay, so then it's like, instead of just saying do everything, is that be honest. It sounds like we have something specific here. Something specifically referred to in the realm of holiness, because the Pulsic then says, and why should you be holy? I am holy. Okay, so now I have a reason. So we have to mimic, in a way, Hashem's behavior, which obviously doesn't relate to our existence as human beings in this world, but somehow Hashem is holy, we have an obligation to be holy, and we would be left with the question of, what does that look like? How do I fulfill this commandment of Holiness. This, this question is, the, is what I referenced a moment ago, a famous, famous debate between Rashi and the Ramban, which we'll take a look at in a moment, because you may have heard it, I'm sure, in past years, but it's worth repeating because it's, it's of such a nature. There's a second technical problem in this Pasuk. Read the Pasuk again, and there's something odd about it. Daber el kol adas b'nei Yisrael. Speak to, how would you translate that? Everybody, kol adas b'nei Yisrael, the entire thing. How do most psukim begin when we have a mitzvah that begins? Daber el? Excellent. We've, you've seen that dozens and dozens of times. Daber el b'nei Yisrael. We, we say it in Shema. Speak to b'nei Yisrael. How many, if I were to ask, in that kind of part, Daber el b'nei Yisrael. How many? I, I don't know. Speak to b'nei Yisrael. Speak to them. Speak to the people. And how does this pasuk begin? So clearly, something about this discussion, of which we just read the first Pasuk, but the rest of the Sukkim that are going to come, something about this is different, 
because to whom it's being addressed is different. Normally it's just a Davril B'nai Yisrael, speak to the Jewish people, and somehow this requires Kol Adas B'nai Yisrael. Okay, so let's take a look at these two ideas um, and see where it goes. Let's start with the second one, the first one that we addressed uh, first. Kedoshim, what does it look like to be a Kadosh, what does it look like to be holy? So Rashi and again, the Ramban have two different approaches. Let's start with Rashi. Rashi tells us as follows. It's in the second line in Rashi, if you want to look at it inside. Rashi says, Heavy prushim min ha'arayos. One has to separate from illicit sexual relationships, which are discussed at length in the first parsha, Akramos, which we're not doing. And again, it's repeated in our parsha. A whole list of things that are forbidden relationships. And Rashi says, you want to know what holiness looks like? It's separating yourself from that area of prohibited behaviors, which we know in the world around us sometimes is uh, not given great attention to, but the Jewish people being Purushim, separate from illicit relationships, that is, says Rashi, the definition of Kedusha. And Rashi brings numerous examples that you always find these two ideas together. Wherever the Torah talks about illicit relationship, it uses the words of Kedusha, of holiness, of sanctity. Almost as if Rashi is reading it as separation. Being separate is being holy, so separate from this entity. What Rashi does not tell us, which we'll now I'd like, like to expand a little bit on, is why Particularly because, remember, what's the reason why the Torah gave us why I need to be holy? Because Hashem is holy. Does Hashem have to deal with this aspect of life? No, obviously not. I mean, almost anything we'd have to deal with, but particularly this aspect as a, um, as a deity, as an incorporal being, omniscient. It's, so the Torah is telling us to separate from a certain behavior because Hashem is holy, we be holy. It doesn't even seem like they're connected and Rashi says, that is the definition of holiness. So what I'd like to share with you is a comment from the Maharal, which is such a powerful comment that goes so beyond just this particular aspect that affects so many aspects of our, uh, of our life. The Maharal addresses this as he does in numerous comments of his writings, that there is an intrinsic tension that exists in every Jew because we are unique creatures. There is, in the world around us, animals, the behemoth world, the world of the animals is a very physical, mundane world. And there is the world of the spiritual, malachim and angels, which is without, without physicality, without body. And we human beings exist in this realm between the two, in which we exist with a physical body. Our physical bodies have very little difference than the animal world around us. We can talk about how we walk upright, okay? But in terms of physical makeup, or the ability, the need to eat, to, to expel waste, to sleep, um, to procreate, the, the things that we do, our bodies are very, very similar. Some of our instincts, we almost sometimes use the language of animalistic in nature. And yet there's a part of us, there's a part of us, a very important part of us, which is the neshama, the soul, neshama shenasatabi, Tahorahi, the soul that you implanted within us is pure. It's a, the sages use the language, a chelek eloka mimal, a piece of godliness itself embedded within every single human being. And there's this tension that exists in the human, bo- in the human being. The, the body, 
wanting to like pull us downward, so to speak, being lazy, just want to stay in bed, I don't do anything, I just want to, whatever physical pleasures are a particular person's, whether they be food or anything else, that's all from the body. And the soul wants more. Soul has this itch of rising up, being pulled upward to spirituality, closeness to Hashem, meaning, purpose, all of those things that drive us, that feeling we have like when we're not living purposefully, like, uh, it's, it, you know, we feel down, it's like, there's this tension. There's, I don't want to, but I want to. I don't want, yes, you do, you want more. You want to see bigger, you want to accomplish, leave a legacy, all of those things to have meaning, spiritual meaning, and it's a tension that we have in different stages of our life. It, it manifests itself in different ways, but it's always there. It's pleasure. It's the pleasure versus living a life of, not necessarily asceticism, but just meaning, spirituality. So in that pleasure, so the Maral writes, the prime example of, prime example of physical pleasure is Arayos, what Rashi refers to as less illicit sexual relations, which is one of these pow- most powerful, strong drives. You know, open up any page of the newspaper, uh, you'll see like that is a drive that has tripped up mankind since the very beginning of time. And it represents the, the drive for the here and the now. And that, says the Maral, is why Rashi says, you want to know what Kedusha looks like to a Jew? Kedoshim tihiyu, Rashi says, what does it mean to be kedoshim? Separate yourself from that, which represents, allow the neshama, allow the soul, allow the spiritual pursuits that says there's more here than just the physical aspect of my being. The most famous phrase that you know in, in world history, eat, what's the phrase? Eat, live, be merry. Eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow. Right? That's like, like, do what you want now, enjoy, because tomorrow you're going to die. So a Jew would say, like, learn Torah, daven, do acts of kindness, because tomorrow you're going to, we we both, everybody agrees. We don't know how long we have in this world. Everybody agrees. So the question is, well, what do you do with the time that you have? So uh, a, a physical approach to the world says, well, you only got limited time. So eat, drink, and be merry because you only have such little time. And a Jew says, I have so little time. I got to do this. Acts of kindness. I have to learn. I have to daven. I got to accomplish because same thing. I have so little time. I have so little time. Mission Perkei was very famously says it. Hayom Katsar, the day is so short. <coughs> there is so much to do. There is so much. And the Mishnah continues. And the workers are lazy, even though, even though there's so much to do and there's so little time. So you might have thought, well, if there's so much to do and so little time, well, then it must be that it, it doesn't really matter. No, the Mishnah says, Habalabayas is dochek. The owner of the house, Hashem, is saying, no, I care. I want to see come, but there's so much to do. And that's what we struggle with is laziness which is the goof, the body saying, ah, just go back to sleep. I don't want to try. I don't want to bother. What difference is it going to make? All the things that prevent us from doing things, that's one half. But there's so much, there's so much to do. We can accomplish a lot. So Rashi sees holiness as in the embodiment of separating from illicit relationships because that is the embodiment of physicality. 
every time he's separated, is moving towards the soul. That's what holiness is. That's why it's Hashem says, because I'm holiness. I'm totally separate from the physicality of the world. So every time a Jew invests in his or her soul, that is the holiness that's being just like Hashem. Original sin, huh? Original sin, exactly. This is, this is the oldest 100%. And it represents, there's a lot to talk about why specifically, therefore, there's a bris milah, why a child could be born. We, there's like so much in that world, which is beyond our, our topic for now. But uh, that's Rashi's understanding of what holiness. So if you ask Rashi, we started with, this is a strange mitzvah, be holy. What does it look like? So Rashi would say, be careful in, in the way that you act, what you look at, what you think about, all of those things, because it's focusing on the soul, not on the body. That's what holiness looks like. That's Rashi's approach. The Ramban, Nachmanides, says it has to be, that's too specific, he says to Rashi. That's too specific a concept of what holiness means. And he takes a very beautiful approach that holiness is not a particular category, but is an entire way of living that goes above and beyond that which is permitted. And the Ramban describes, holiness is saying, let me say it the other way around. He says, a person can observe all the mitzvahs of the Torah, says the Ramban, can observe everything and be a, this is a crass word, be a disgusting, degenerate kind of person, even as he's observing all the laws. He can keep Shabbos and indulge himself to a degree that is just inappropriate. He can say like, I'm observing Shabbos. I didn't turn on any lights. I went to shul and you lived life in a way that was the opposite of a holiness. A per- and glad kosher. It's all co- Very nice. A person can go on lavish vacations in a place where there's a minion in a, in a way where they could spend whatever, absorb exorbitant amount of monies on clothing, on food, on homes. And you can live. I'd say, I'm from. I'm from. I did everything. So the Ramban says there's such a thing and he coins a phrase, a beautiful phrase, a novel birushus ha-Torah, a degenerate person within the realm of Torah. That's what the Ramban says is possible. This Pasuk of Kiddoshim Tihiyu says, with, you could, I know you're not, you're not going against anything. You're not violating anything. But learn to live a life. Abstinence is a little bit strong, but to a little self-indulgence where you're not being self-indulged, no gluttony, just pull back. Kadesh atzmacha b'muterlach. Sanctify yourself in that which is permitted. This is permitted. I don't have to have it. I don't have to have everything. I don't have to indulge in everything. Even if it's okay. I don't have to have could scale a little bit back, a little bit less than what I need, a little bit less, not to be over the top. And that is this mitzvah of Kedoshim. What does it look like to be holy? It means you don't have to do everything that you can. Moderation. Right? A little bit of moderation, exactly. That moderation is a way of life, and it's a holy way of life. So that it's, that doesn't mean total abstinence. That's not required. An abstinent approach is not what's required to be holy. You can enjoy it. You like good food. It's fine. You like a nice home. You should be comfortable. You like to go on vacation. Call a kavod. Enjoy. Rest up. Have a good time. But, and, and it's almost like community specific. Everybody knows what's like normal and what's considered over the top. That's already indulged to a degree that's, that's inappropriate. And that's 
this general phrase of what it means to live a life of holiness is to be able to scale back and not have to do so. Beautiful idea, says the Ramban. Yes? That would be like being um, Shmir Salashon, right? Shmir Salashon is, is, you know, watching what you say. I, I would say, Shmir, in, let me, maybe this is what you mean. There are actual things that we say that are prohibited. So that's not what we're talking about. That this is okay, this is not okay. This is within a way of speaking that is permitted, meaning I'm not speaking derogatorily about somebody, but there's a way to speak that is a little bit more refined. Maybe that would be with, like, it's permitted talk. I mean, if it's Lashon Hara, something that's not permitted, then that's not this. That's, that's watch your tongue. In terms of a way that one person speaks, there's everything in moderation. The moderation is the word of... Uh, and sneeze. Yep, 100%. In modesty and in sneeze, in being not, not over the top. Is, uh, is how the Ramban would see this idea of, uh, of holiness. Okay, that is a, uh, a classic debate uh, is discussed every year. It's worth discussing. This, they're both true in terms of how Rashi wants to see holiness, in terms of separating from the, the mundane, the physicality, pleasure principle, and letting the soul dominate the body. To so the Ramban saying it just means in all of life, find a middle path. You can enjoy, you can enjoy life, but just it shouldn't be over the top. It shouldn't be overindulged. It shouldn't be where you become, what he writes again, a novel, you become a degenerate person within the permission of Torah. That's not, uh, that's not the way that a Torah wants us to live. That is the idea of Kiddoshim. Okay, beautiful. How does that shim with, with Hashem being holy? Uh, good. I don't remember how the Ramban addressed that. In other words, because Hashem says, I am holy, so you should be holy. So this is really just, you know, scaling back would seem like a harder, exactly how to make that connection. I mean, Hashem is modest also. Yeah, I could be. I have to look it up again. This is exactly how we dress. I don't remember. It's a fair question. Okay. Um, okay, let's go back to the first, the other question that we asked. Who is, uh, who is this mitzvah addressed to? Kiddoshim Tihiyu? We said, it's kol adah. Everybody has to hear this. So we said, okay, why is that different than every other mitzvah? We'll add to that question. The Gemara records that when Moshe would teach um, in the all 40 years in the desert, as he would teach the mitzvahs, he had a very specific practice. He would first teach Aharon the mitzvah, then Aharon who would be standing to his right, then Aharon's two sons, Nadav and Avihu, would come in and Moshe would teach them. See, he's now taught it twice. He taught it to Aharon, he taught it to Nadav and Avihu. Then the Zikani, the elders, would come in and Moshe would teach it to them so that Aharon has now heard it three times to himself, to his sons, and to the Zikanim. And then, Kol Yisrael, all the Jewish people would come in, and Moshe would teach it to all of the Jewish people. So that Moshe would teach it four times, Aharon heard it three times, Nadav and Avihu heard it twice, and the, uh, Aaron heard it four times, his sons heard it three times, the Zikanim heard it twice, and then Aharon would teach it, so he would teach it, four, he, everyone would get it like four times, but there's a whole process. But it's very clear that the fourth uh, assessment was when the Jewish the people would come. Moshe would teach it to them. So the way the uh, commentators asked this question on on on, uh, on this pasuk as to like why why are you teaching it to everybody? Um, everybody uh, everybody was always uh, was always present. So Rashi says as follows: So Rashi notes this problem. First Rashi in the parshin says Melamed shenem raparshazu behakel. This parsha was said in a hakel, in a greeting, in a gathering. Because the majority of the essence of Torah is in this parsha. 
And because the majority is in this passage, we're going to take a look in a moment and see what he means. So therefore, this had to be said in one large gathering. Now, so we're going to we're talk about like what is different about that. In other words, there's a regular process in which Aharon, his two sons, then the elders, then the Jewish people. Rashi tells us this parsha, because of its importance, was said in a big gathering. So we're going to take a look at two different approaches as to what exactly that means. First of all, what does it mean? Let's talk about that the majority, the essence of Torah is in this parsha. So let's take a, a brief, a brief um, a journey through this parsha because it's such a critical parsha, Rashi says. Let's just go through some of the highlights just to see what he's referring to. Get yourselves ready to flip some pages. I just want to go through the highlights. Each one of the psukim that we're going to say in a, uh, right now requires its own uh, class. I'm to Shem over the years. Uh, we'll do them together in Yerushalayim. But uh, for now, let's just uh, to cover. Look at Pasuk Gimel on page 656. We'll start right from the beginning. We have Ishimov Aviv Tiro. We have the mitzvah of giving reverence to one's mother and father. Shabbosai Tishmo, observe Shabbos. Altifnu Elim and Avodazar. So we have the very first page. We have idolatry, Shabbos, parents. Flipping the page, I look at verse 9, Pasuk Tes. We have the famous halacha that when you harvest your field, you must leave the corners for the poor, the mitzvah known as peya, which comes together with leket and shikha, all the fields in terms of how do you give your gifts to the poor. This was an agricultural society when the Jews entered into the land, as still is today, uh, except for Tel Aviv. So in an agricultural society, it's a very important aspect of how do you manage your field. That's in uh, our parsha. Look at Pasuk Yud Aleph 11. Lo tignovu, you may not steal. Lo tichakshu, you may not deny or falsely deny that you have information. Al tishakru, you cannot lie. Al tishavu bishmi do not falsely swear in my name. Flipping the page, look at Yud Gimel, top of page 660. Do not cheat your fellow. Do not rob. Do not withhold wages. If you have a worker, you must pay him in a timely manner. Look at verse 14. This whole page is important. I mean, every page is important, but this is like this is what Rashi is referring to. You may not curse a person who can't hear you. This again, we'll have to talk about this at greater length. You might think, what's the, what difference does it make? He can't hear. He's deaf. Torah says you cannot curse even someone can't hear. Well, again, so much to talk about. Famous passage, do not place a stumbling block in front of the blind, which Rashi, of course, tells us based on the Gemara. I mean, the Torah needs to tell us that. That's crazy. If somebody would put a stumbling block, would put a brick in front of a blind person so that he trips, that's what we need a passage for that. Now, of course, that's obvious. So the Torah goes, Rashi explains, the Gemara tells us this means giving advice to someone who you know more than them and you give them misleading blind in this area, and for whatever purpose it serves you, you guide them, you want that property, so you tell them, oh, no, 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 that property is better for you, so that you can get the one that you want. That's placing a stumbling block in front of the blind. Um, continuing, Tezvav 15, do not convert, commit a perversion of justice. Lo dal. Do not favor the rich in front of the poor when they come in front of you in, ju- in, uh, in judgment. Everything should be with justice. Lo Here's a mitzvah of Lashon Hara. Lo al If you see the blood of your brother being spilt, you have to step in and do something about it and all the ramifications of that. You cannot stand idly by and say, like, it's not my problem that something has happened. 
You have to. I, these I lo, keep, I keep going. These psukim are so critical, so beautiful. Do not hate your brother in your heart. You have to give rebuke. Somebody's doing something wrong. It's your responsibility. Put him on the right path. Not so simple. It has to be done in the right way. You have to know when you can. You not. You may not bear a grudge. In this week's parsha, this is what Rashi means when he says. Everybody had to gather together. Why? This, this, this is it. I mean, this parsha should be studied at length, in depth. Every pasuk is gold. Such we didn't even get through all of them, but there's just so much here to still talk about. Here's the mitzvah shatn, as we mentioned earlier, is in this week's uh, parsha as well. Orla, when you plant a tree, the first three years, there's this. Uh, the, Rashi said, "This is it. This is the parsha." Okay, now that leads us again with a question. So, since yes. Um, Excellent, right? That's another not, question. Not all of them. Some of them do and some of them don't. Why do some sukkim get the phrase at the end of it, I am Hashem? So Rashi does tell us, based on the Gemara, I can't say this answers all of them, but many times when there's a prohibition or a mitzvah to do and nobody would know whether or not you're doing it or not, so then the Torah concludes and says, I am Hashem. So I know, so, I know better. So for example, in the mitzvah of uh, placing a stumbling block, just using that as an example, I don't remember if that's one of the things that are here, but this appears many different times, where a person can say, I, you gave bad advice. I, I thought it was a better property for him. I meant it honestly. And as I told him, no, 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 you don't want this property, you want that property. Who can ever come to me and say that I misled him on purpose? I, I can always say, I, I really... I really thought that this was better for him. So uh, anytime there's a prohibition and you'll have an out in front of other human beings in which you can cover yourself and no one will know the difference because how, how are we supposed to know? So there's a general rule. Whenever you see the phrase Ani Hashem afterwards, take a look at what was previously said and you'll generally find that there would have been a way for a person to, so to speak, get out of it and that's why the Pusik ends with, I'm watching. I know exactly what you were thinking, and I'm paying attention. Uh, but that, I don't know if that answers every single time, but that is a general rule which we do find when a Pusik ends with Ani Hashem. Okay, uh, so that leaves us again with our question. Okay, very nice. This is a very important parsha. I understand. And Rashi tells us because the Torah uses the phrase, Kol Adas Yisrael, you have to speak to everybody. But Moshe generally spoke to everybody. So what's so special about this particular parsha more than... Uh, more than anything else. I want to share with you uh, two ideas. One comes from Rav Moshe Alshech. Rav Alshech, as he's known, uh, wrote a very famous commentary. And he points out that this, besides, as we mentioned, this particular series of psukim, which are so beautiful, which began with the mitzvah of Kedoshim, like we spoke about, Rashi and the Ramban, and being holy. So the Alshech writes, you know why... Here, everybody had to gather together. It wasn't taught in order. It wasn't taught first just to Aaron, then to Nadav and Avihu, then to the Zikanim, then to the people, because that would imply that this mitzvah of holiness, of being a holy people, is designated for certain people more than others. Aaron, as a Kohen Gadol, you have to be holy. You have to live your life in a specific manner, because you're the Kohen Gadol. And the sons, Nadav and Avihu representing the Kohanim, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. They too have an aspect of holiness. And the Zikanim, the elders, the leaders, yeah, sure, as leaders, yes. But the rest of us, 
Like, it's okay that we get it fourth. It's okay that it's taught first to Aaron, then to Nadim and Avihu, then to, the, then to the elders, because it's not as important for us. We're just the masses. We're just the people. So the Alshuch writes, in order that nobody think that, in order that no Jew thinks, holiness is not for me. Holiness is for the leadership. Holiness is for the Kohanim. That's who holiness is for. Okay, I'll, I'll hear about it too. But I don't need to hear about it like everybody else. This particular mitzvah, Kedoshim Tihiyu, was said to everybody all together. There was no um, levels of differentiated learning when it came to this particular mitzvah and all the mitzvahs that we follow, the Haftalarecha Kamocha, and all the, all the same. Everybody gets taught together. That's how the Alshech sees the lesson in um, putting everybody together, particularly for this um, particular mitzvah. That's the, uh, the Alshech's approach. The Maral, I want to share with you, this to me is, is such an amazing comment. The Maral takes a different approach when the Torah says that you speak to everybody. This mitzvah was taught in the Maral's understanding, not like, again, something here was different. So the Alshuk understood what was different was instead of doing Moshe to Aaron, then to the, his two sons, then to the Zakanim, and then to Kalal Yisrael, everybody did it all together. That was the first approach. The Moral says, no, 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 that didn't change. Even, even this mitzvah was also first to Aaron, then to his sons, then to the Zakanim, then to the Jewish people. But what was different about this mitzvah was when Moshe called in the people, he called in Koladas, he called in everyone. Generally, he put a notice out and he said, I'm teaching the mitzvah of tzitzis today. I'm teaching the mitzvah of tefillin today. So first Aaron, then his son, then the people. Then he, then he brought in everybody. And when he taught this parsha, because it was so important, he brought in, he said, no, 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 everybody. So didn't he call everybody before? No, no, yes. But this time, everybody has to come. Listen to what he describes as, as the difference. In general, he would say, he says the maral, it was not obligated that everybody would come. So that Moshe would say, okay, we're learning tzitzis today. We're learning tefillin. We're learning Shabbos. We're learning shatnas. Two o'clock in the base medrash. Come, everybody, I'm teaching. And it was not an obligation on everyone to come. Listen to this line. If he wouldn't say this, I would never have the audacity to say this. <laughs> I, I, I'm literally reading it word for word so that no one says that I made this up on my own. <laughs> that if there was a Jew, when Moshe was teaching Tzitzis or Tzvillin or Shabbos, anyone want to take a guess at how to translate that? He wasn't free. He didn't have time. He wasn't available. He wouldn't come that day. To hear when Moshe taught about tzitzis or tefillin or Shabbos or kashras. But this parsha, when Moshe taught Kedoshim and all those critical mitzvahs that we just learned about, after he did Aaron and his sons, and he said, okay, now it's the Jewish people's time. He gathered everyone. Everybody. Let me just finish this thought. I'll take your question in a second. Everybody had to come. And that's the difference. That's how the moral answers. When Rashi says, Kol Adas B'nei Yisrael, that he gathered everyone, because when he taught this, it was everybody had to come. Okay. Here's what's amazing to me. It's just amazing to me. Where, where are the Jews for these 40 years when Moshe's teaching? 
They're in the desert. Okay. Did they have jobs? No. Did they have to go into the city? No. They, they had a family. They had children. But like, what were they doing? The mun every morning fell at their doorstep. They had their food. What? What was a Jew doing in the desert when he said, I'm, I'm busy. I'm busy today. I mean, Moshe, Moshe Rabbeinu is teaching. Moshe, it's not like the rabbi of your shul. Moshe Rabbeinu is teaching the mitzvah of Kashrus. What else is going on in your life? I, I, it's, it, it's astounding to me. And to me, to me, what it says is, yeah, kids, I don't know, they didn't have to dry clean their clothing. We spoke about the miracle that their clothing was always fresh and clean. I don't know, the kids, I, I, I don't know. What it says to me is, in the desert, with Moshe Rabbeinu as a teacher, with no job, with no other distractions, a Jew can find a reason to say, I'm busy, I'm, busy. I can't, I'm, not, I'm not available to learn today. I'm I'm busy. I, I'm, I'm busy. I, I don't even know with what. I, there's something else going on. And to me, the, the chizuk, the strength that I get from this to say, when we make time to learn, when we make time to come to shul, to daven, for all the things, if in the desert a Jew with Moshe Rabbeinu as his teacher could say, sorry, not today. I'll try, I'll try to make it next week, Rabbi. Like what, like today, what, what, what do we have? We have every reason in the world not to come to anything. And we do. And we come. And we're there to learn, to daven, to participate, all of those things is such a testimony to the ability to find other reasons why I can't do the things that I need to do. And that's highlighted in this little mitzvah, this little idea that Rashi here tells us, no, these are so important, he made everybody come. What else was going on? Yeah. Sometimes they didn't, they didn't come. They learned later. They learned to, when, they came, when the question came up, they would ask Moshe to get review, but they wouldn't come. But here they had to, and what that just teaches us about how we function is really amazing. Testimony to all of you for being here. Yes, question. Yes, I, when they say everybody should come, is that only men or women? It sounds like everybody. everybody. It sounds like everybody. That's what it sounds like. Kol Adas B'nai Yisrael was not a mitzvah that was taught just to the men. It sounds like this was really to everybody. And most mitzvahs were, he would say, okay, I'm teaching the mitzvah. And if somebody didn't come, somebody didn't come. If somebody was busy, somebody was busy. But this one was like, okay, everybody drop everything. You have to be here for this. And what that says to me about, you know, all the others is really just an amazing lesson. Yes? Is that the death of Aaron's son, some trade that, that is so important to keep that holiness? Um, meaning what? Say that again? The death of the two yes, sons. Yes, which we, is with the first question that we didn't learn about today, yeah. Is that punctuate that holiness is more important? Uh, could be. Maybe. I'm not really sure. It's possible. And we'll have to discuss that more later. We, we didn't do Ahremos. The first parsha addresses the death of Aharon's two other sons um, and then the aftermath of that and that which was taught to Aharon uh, moving forward. But, um, okay, so those are just some thoughts on our, our second parsha, Kedoshim, the machlokas between Rashi and the Ramban and what holiness looks like. 
and uh, this idea that this, this parsha and all of the beautiful mitzvahs contained therein were so important, everybody had to come to hear those, which highlights that, again, like the Alshech, Every, this, there's no differentiated learning here. Everybody has to be holy. Everybody's on the same level. Everybody hears it about the same time. Let no one say it doesn't apply to me. And as the Maral understands it, no, you have to come, which highlights that every other time there was such a thing of a Jew saying, uh, you know, I'm not available. I can't, I can't come. And uh, how much that means to us uh, to be able to make the time and to be able to do that, which we need to do. Okay, wishing everybody a wonderful day. Enjoy your matzmaut to celebrate the Israel 75th birthday. And uh, we'll see you all, Mirza Hashem, uh, next week.